After one month, there's one team and really one man left standing as Argentina and Lionel Messi lifted the FIFA World Cup trophy Sunday night, giving Argentina its third World Cup trophy and cementing Messi's status as the greatest of all time in the beautiful game. My name is Jackson Fuller, and this is the final episode of the Sports Gazette's FIFA World Cup podcast tonight. I'm joined by Tom Desborough and my co-host Michael Johnston, recapping a thrilling World Cup final that saw Argentina beat France on penalty kicks after Le Bleu battled back and forced extra time with two stunning goals from Kylian Mbappe and another penalty goal from Mbappe and extra time to force the penalty shootout. But in the end, Argentina were deserved winners and Lionel Messi got his storybook ending. Let's get stuck in recapping a thrilling World Cup final. Jackson Fuller here, uh, recapping the World Cup final on the Sports Gazette's FIFA World Cup podcast. An absolutely thrilling uh, final match to this winter tournament with Argentina beating France 4-2 in penalties after a 3-3 tie through extra time. Uh, I'm here with um, my co-host, Michael Johnston, tonight. Mike, how's it going? Yeah, I'm all good, mate. How are you? Doing very well, and uh, Tom Desborough joining us for the second time on our podcast. Tom, a long time no see. How are you tonight? Yeah, very good, mate. Thank you. Very good. Yeah, so uh, long time no see was a joke. Tom and I just got done watching this uh, final from a pub in Twickenham together. Michael on his own watching, but I think we've spoken a little bit about this uh, off camera, if you will. One of the best football matches. Really, of all time, uh, Mike, where does this rank for you? Kind of put into context just, you know, with the stakes, the two pl- the two uh, high-profile players of Messi and Mbappe involved, uh, where does this rank in terms of football matches that, that you've watched? I think it's, it's definitely up there. I, in, in terms of pure entertainment value, six goals, extra time and, and penalties, you can't really ask for much more. And especially because with it being a World Cup final, there's just so much at stake. Uh, so, yeah, it's de- I would say it's definitely up there. I don't know if it's the best game I've ever seen. I've seen some crackers over the years. But, um, yeah, in, in terms of players going up against each other, Messi against Mbappe, passing in the baton, stuff like that, just so much allure around the fixture. With it being a World Cup, it's just heightened. And, yeah, amazing game. And Argentina get over the line, I think, deserved, deservedly so. Yeah, I agree with that last point. Deservedly so. Uh, they were the better team, I think, probably for... 90 100 minutes of the of the 120 that were played uh it was really the brilliance of Kylian Mbappe that kind of kept France there and and close he scored a hat trick with all goals coming after the 80th minute mark of course two penalties uh Lionel Messi with two goals and Angel Di Maria with one Tom you know what was it about this Argentinian performance today that maybe got them over the line of course penalties is uh anybody can win but you know, I think it's a little bit surprising given how the teams were performing earlier in the tournament that Argentina kind of outplayed France tonight. What did you see from the uh, Argentina performance that maybe gave them the edge this evening? Yeah, I think uh, for me it was the, their pressing that they, especially in the first half, like any time the France midfield seemed to get the ball 
either Enzo Fernandez or Di Maria or anyone sort of from any area of their positions were closing them down, really high energy. Alexis McAllister as well was another one who was really just on any France player. I think it was a mix as well of some of the France players who were receiving the ball that were not performing to high standards, especially Usman Dembele, who we saw obviously got hooked after 40 minutes. Like even in, I think it was like the first five or six minutes, he was misplaced the pass really badly. So I think, yeah, the Argentina sort of smelt the blood in the water when he was making that sort of error. And yeah, they, they pounced on that really well and made it pay. Yeah, and I think, you know, you mentioned the, the early substitutions from France. I think that was just a sign of maybe either Deschamps got it wrong or, you know, there's these rumors of this virus going around within the camp. Who knows how much that actually played a part. But I think we have to give credit to Scaloni. He got his tactics pretty spot on at the beginning. A big call from him to to put Di Maria into the starting 11 after missing, you know, all of the knockout games games before this. Uh Mike, kind of the same question for you as Tom. What did you see from Argentina today, either surprising or something you expected that you think you know really made the difference uh, tonight in their victory against France? Um, well, I, I think to be fair, I think to Argent- uh, to be fair to Argentina, they they limited France to little opportunity really, apart from uh, you know the Mbappe goal, or the, apart from the two penalties and, and a bit of Mbappe brilliance. There wasn't any real clear cut chances for the French that I can remember. Um, and like you said, Angel Di Maria coming into the team and having one of the best games I've seen him have in recent in recent years. And just I think defensively they're so aggressive, they stick so tight to the to the to the French frontmen, and it, it it limited Mbappe to very little in the game. But obviously he only needs that one that one moment to set it alight. But you know it's just just a cohesive team performance, and credit has to go to the manager not just in this game but throughout the tournament from changing his tactics, bringing Julian Alvarez in. And Enzo Fernandez and and the rest, um, yeah, just amazing story. And I think everyone's just delighted for Messi, really. And he 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 produced once again on the big stage. Yeah, uh, two goals for Messi. He scores in the shootout. Uh, probably the best Argentinian player on the field tonight. Tom, I think a lot a lot of we were going to overanalyze this World Cup, regardless of the final result. Uh, thankfully for all the Messi fans out there, he lifts the trophy in the end. You know, in your eyes, how much does this change his legacy? Does it change it much, you know, or is this something that is really just kind of the cherry on top for when we look back at Lionel Messi's career? I think this is uh, definitely the final piece of the puzzle, as it were. I think if Argentina weren't to win today, a lot of, especially the Twitter sort of audience who back Ronaldo, who are so big on Ronaldo, would have used this against Messi quite heavily even though obviously today wasn't about Messi versus Ronaldo. So I think this sort of cements it. If hopefully for anyone who isn't quite delusional, without a doubt that he is the greatest footballer of all time. He's won everything he could have possibly have won in the game. He he wasn't a bystander in the game today either. He was key in scoring the penalty. He scored in open play, scored his shootout, shootout kick as well. But he can't have asked of much more from him today. So I think for me, this does cement him concrete as the greatest player that we've ever seen and he played a big part in Di Maria's goal with the, mm-hmm. the little flick on that kind of sprung the attack and got McAllister uh into the open field where he was able to square it for Di Maria uh <clears throat> Mike Tom and I or I said immediately when uh that last chance came for uh for France for Kolumani that he's got to square it for Mbappe 
you know, do you blame him in that moment? Kind of glowing, going for glory there at the end of extra time to find a winner. Uh, it would have been a difficult, probably pass to Mbappe to put it on, you know, in his stride. Uh, but if he does execute the pass, it's probably a tap in, uh, you know, how should we be putting blame on him? You know, what's kind of your thoughts on, on that last chance that France had to, to win it before it went to penalties? I don't think you can put any blame on him. He's only a young kid coming into the team and he's done so well in the in the previous game that Deschamps brought him into when he scored with his was his first touch, I, I think, in the last game against uh, Morocco to, to seal the victory. Um, it's, it's like you say, if he, if he makes that pass, it's still quite a difficult pass to make and, you know, young players on a big stage like this, it's easy, it's easy for the pressure to get to them and, and in the end, I think he's gone with the wrong decision. I think he should go for the pass and if it doesn't quite come off, I think he gets more credit for going for the pass anyway. But yeah, I think I think there's no you, you can't really blame them. I don't I don't think I don't think if um, I think Argentina deserved the the, the result, and even if they'd have scored, it, or even if a chance had been created from that uh, opportunity where he could have squared it to Mbappe, I, I think I think it would have been unjust because I think Argentina were the better team on the day, and we just have to put it down to that. France didn't have the best day, and Argentina had one of their best. Yeah, and uh, even with you know even his decision not to square it, he had a, got a shot off, and it was a really brilliant save by Emmy Martinez, who also rose to the occasion in the penalties with a little bit of as the uh, broadcast today said blank housery. Uh, you know, Tom, what do you make of what do you make of Emmy Martinez? You know, not only tonight but this entire World Cup. Do we need to think of him differently in the uh, kind of the pyramid of goalkeepers in the world? Uh, is he someone that maybe could get a move, you know, he came from Arsenal to Aston Villa. Is he someone that deserves maybe a move back to a bigger club? And, you know, this World Cup with the two penalty shootout wins, Argentina probably don't get to the mountaintop without Emmy Martinez. Yeah, I think his his rise over the last two years has been unparalleled. Um, he, well, there's been photos shared all week of him and his brother watching previous World Cups 2014 and 2018 as fans. Like the fact is that he's come from that in four years to being the World Cup winning final goalkeeper is unprecedented. Um, even when he got brought in in 2020, um, when um, Leno got injured for Arsenal, it was deemed as like Arsenal fans like, okay, we've got to rely on this guy now. And he proved in those sort of six, seven games left of that season that he was ready for the task. He obviously won the FA Cup final for Arsenal, made some key saves against us in that game. And then just, yeah, this entire tournament. The entire sort of last year and a half where he's been Argentina's goalkeeper, he's just shown that he is ready to rise to the challenge. And I mean, his, his, the fact his team are able to drag them to penalties nearly as often as they can, they know that they have him in, in the sticks to rise to the challenge. He can get in the head of the players who are stepping up. We saw it today. We saw it against um, Netherlands. And we saw it in the Copa, Copa America, at least on two occasions, where he will do what he can to just put the put the attackers off. Obviously, he got the yellow card today, but it's worth it if you can do that to to get in the heads of the guys stepping up against you and make the saves where you can. So yeah, he deserves a lot of props for getting Argentina over the line and getting the victory. Yeah, and uh, at, at the end of the day, you're gonna you know Messi's the storyline, but there needs to be other heroes along the way. And uh, Julian Alvarez was one of those heroes throughout the uh, kind of knockout stage. Di Maria stepped up today, and Emmy Martinez right there with with those with that trio. Uh, I thought the referee did a pretty brilliant job today. Uh, for the most part, there were two controversial decisions. Mm, 
controversial is maybe not the right word, but two decisions that could have gone either way. Uh, first, you had the, the penalty that Di Maria drew on Dembele. Uh, and then, of course, Otamendi, the leading to the, the first penalty that France had, could have been a red card. Uh, not even a card was given. Mike, what did you make of those two decisions? Do you think the referee got them both right? Do you disagree with either of them? Uh, what, what did you make of those? I I I thought the first one was a little bit soft on the softer side. I think I think if you actually look at it, he's kind of going down before the contact is made, and it's not as if he's mistimed his challenge badly. It's just it's just a case of he's clipped him, and Di Maria's legs already trailing. Um, with the second one, I think I think he got it. I think he got it spot on. To be fair, uh, I I think it probably did warranted a yellow card, but I don't I don't think it was sending off. And I, I, I like you said, I think he had a good performance overall. Yeah, Tom, you you definitely thought it was a, a clear pen on uh, Di Maria. What what do you you know? So you agree with the referee? What do you think the referee was kind of seeing there when uh, when he awarded that penalty? Yeah, to be fair, I, I understood the frustration for um, a few people that I saw online in our group chats. That yeah, he was he was not letting the game flow at all. He was giving a lot, like any sort of touch on either side. He was seemed to be giving a free kick, but. Yeah, I, I agree that the penalty was soft, but I was, yeah, certainly disagreeing with people saying, oh, that's never a penalty. As soon as that contact is made from behind in the box, Di Maria is going to go down no matter what. Like, it's not, not a new rule. Like, you can't you can't touch the player in the box unless you're going to get something of the ball. I know, obviously, the contact was minimal, but, yeah, as soon as Di Maria feels that, he's going to go down, and then the referee has every right to make that decision. So, yeah, in my opinion, yeah, he did get it completely correct. And the second one as well, it, yeah, it would have been it would have been uh, worth a conversation whether he should be given a card, but again, it's the rule. The rule is so interchangeable. Sort of the last man, whether you're attempting to play the ball these days, whether you pull the card out or don't. So, yeah, I think he I think he got got most decisions right on the big stage today, which was good. Yeah, I think the first one. Look, it's it's soft, but at the same time, Di Maria beat Dembele. He got into the box. He got in front of him. Like if you're Dembele at that point, you cannot make contact. You have to be smarter than that. And the second one, maybe by the letter of the law, it's a red card, but that was also a little bit soft. You know, it wasn't, you know, the, the most obvious foul. I do think it's, it's a penalty. And I think, you know, kudos to the referee. There have been some questionable decision-making, you know, throughout this tournament. Uh, but for the most part, he got it right. What's what's the legacy of this tournament, guys? You know, there was so much controversy coming into it, uh, you know, and then the football gets started and it, it was a little bit boring to start in the group stage. I think a lot of us were, were complaining about the amount of nil-nil draws and, oh, it's in the winter. These guys have only had a week to prepare. And then the, the knockout stage just turns out to be thrilling from start to finish. Mike, let's start with you. What do you think, you know, when we look back 10, 20 years from now, how are we going to remember this World Cup? I think first things first, the, the, the World Cup shouldn't have been hosted in Qatar to begin with. Um, and I know a lot of people were saying, you know, the, the, the football at the start of the tournament wasn't great, but I think the football was always going to be good eventually. Uh, and it, would, it was going to take over as the main storyline from the tournament. But there's so many important discussions that have been had and has still still should be going on past this World Cup in terms of in terms of FIFA's governance and, and other things as well. But I, I think in terms of purely in terms of football, I think it's been one of the best, to be honest, just for the, the incredible knockout stages, 
um, some of the upsets, you know, Argentina losing their first game against Saudi Arabia and then winning the World Cup. And it's, it in of itself is a is a massive story. And and like you say, it's, it's the confirmation of, leg, of Messi's legacy. So it, purely in terms of football, I would say it was a good World Cup, but, you know, shrouded in political political problems and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I think uh, we're three relatively young human beings. A lot of times when we look back on our lifetime, uh, the World Cup we point to right off the bat is South Africa when Spain won. Tom, do you when you, know, you think this one's better than South Africa? Uh, which you know, when when you look back in 10, 20 years, which one will be your favorite World Cup to kind of reflect on? Yeah, I'm, I'm similar to Mark. I'm very reluctant to praise the World Cup this year. Uh, it has everything from our point of the globe to be going against it. But if you just look solely on the football on the pitch, it's been like, it, I know it's obviously very fresh in our minds, but it's it's been unbelievable. Like every, nearly every game since the knockout stages started have been like, you can't take your eye off it. Like I, I, I know you were gone from the pub at the time, but the BBC put up a very good montage at the end to um the power of love. Uh, I think it was um, Ricky Wilde, who I've found out since that was the editor behind it. It just had every huge moment from the tournament. And it was just, it just highlighted really well how good this tournament has been. Like you, you can look back to, like, I know you said the group stages, there were some boring moments, but there was also some very key moments in there as well. Pointing just off the top of the head, Saudi Arabia's win against, um, against Argentina in like the third game of the tournament, or you can look at, Anything involving um, Canada, Morocco, Belgium, and um, oh, and Croatia's group, yeah, that's that anything in there was just incredible to watch. So yeah, footballing wise, it has been really, really good. But I think it will take a little while to sort of we can settle in, set in in a few years' time. It'll be interesting to see how this World Cup is remembered in comparison to those over the last sort of twenty, thirty years. Yeah, and. Uh... Well, coming into this final, the talk was Mbappe versus Messi, the two PSG stars, the uh, GOAT versus the up-and-comer, and they both delivered, you know, in this biggest of moments, and I think it's it's going to be very hard to top this moving forward. Just a lot of times you get to a final in a major tournament like this, whether it's the World Cup or the Euros or even the, the year-to-year Champions League and the finals underwhelm a little bit, but this one lived up to all the expectations. And we made it about Mbappe and Messi. And I'm just curious, guys, what's next for these two? Michael, maybe you answer for Messi. Uh, Tom, take try to take the Mbappe route. What do you what do you want to see from these guys moving forward? Uh, do you want to see Messi ride off into the sunset here and not play for Argentina again? Do you want to see him at PSG or Barcelona or even maybe in knock on wood for my end, uh, come to the America and the MLS. What's next for these for these great superstars, and what should we expect from them? Uh, Michael, what do you see Messi's career looking like over the next couple of years? I think in, in terms of on the international scene, he said he's retiring, if, that, if that's correct, after, after this World Cup, yeah. So and by the time the next World Cup rolls around, he'll, he'll be 39. But, you know, in terms of club football, I'd, I'd love to see, I know much to your dismay, Jackson, but I'd love to see Messi stay at a, Champions League club. I, I mean, you can see that he's he's been one of the best, if not the best, player at the tournament of the World Cup. So there's no reason why why I well, there's no reason why he wouldn't be able to do the same in the Champions League for a PSG or for another club. Um, if he did go to the MLS, though, you, you couldn't you couldn't be angry at that. Um, he's had an amazing career and he's and he's had the cherry on top of the cake with the with the World Cup win tonight. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's hard for me to argue against that. If you're the best to win the golden ball and you're arguably the best player at a World Cup, it makes sense to to stay in Europe and play in the Champions League. I just would love to kind of maybe see him try and grow the game, if you will, in the States. But Tom, on the flip side, Mbappe's got 10, 12 years ahead of him. Obviously, he plays for PSG right now, and uh, there was some drama in the summer about whether he would remain at PSG. You know, are we going to hold it against him that he's there? Is his performance for the French national team enough to maybe not hold against him the type of league he plays in? What do you want to see from Mbappe moving forward? Uh, with he's got a he's got a chance to, if not equal. Messi and Ronaldo of this past generation to to compete with them and be right there with them in terms of their accomplishments uh, over the next ten years. What would you like to see for his career down the line? Yeah, this is this is obviously really tough. Obviously, he's only twenty four, turning twenty five, I believe, tomorrow. Which is yeah, he's he's so he's still so young in his career, even though he's accomplished so much. Uh, I think from sort of a selfish point of view, I was quite happy that he didn't go to Real Madrid over the summer because they're they're that much of a powerhouse already. I know um, uh, Perez is already sort of looking for his ride into the sunset, gets an, his last batch of Galacticos in. But again, on the flip side, it's he's given so much power in PSG's lineup now. Obviously, the, the board and the owners have given him ridiculous amounts of money, amounts of sort of say in what the club does. It's, it's And you like you see so many clips of him on social media during um, sort of league and games where he's, not performing to the level that we know and we've seen during this tournament that he's capable of doing. So I think, yeah, I, I think I need, would rather get, put my personal hopes behind me and then would much rather to see him play for a massive side in a, a more competitive league. I'd no respect to league, no disrespect, sorry, to league Un, but I, it would be so much better for him to be playing at the level that he does for this France side to, at his club level. Cause it, that, could, we would probably be able to see him push to another level if he's asking that of himself every single week playing at a club side. Like there's every record, like as you sort of obviously pointed on that Messi and Ronaldo have hit that he could easily break probably before he even hits 30 years old. Like I know Giroud's already said like he's so happy he broke the French record now because he can hold it for probably about a year and Mbappe is going to overtake him. With probably even within that, that it probably won't even be twenty twenty four by the time he overtakes him. So, yeah, for me, I'd much rather see him push himself out into another at another club in another country, just to see what he if he if he can rise to even another level than we've seen already. Because I know there were some today who were arguing that he is up there with Messi. He's like should be in the conversation with him rather than Ronaldo. And it's hard to argue against that. Like he's become, what, the second player ever to score a hat-trick in the final of a World Cup. So, yeah, it would be great to see him go to another club, push to another level, see if there's an even greater stratosphere that he can break that we've not even seen from Messi and Ronaldo. Definitely, out of all the kind of generation, the current uh, crop of young players in this new generation, uh, I think him and Holland are by far the most exciting. And... Uh, Messi's already done it on the big stage now twice, even though he didn't win the World Cup this time. Uh, it's no blame on him for them not winning this 2022 tournament. Michael, uh, let's have you answer an unanswerable question, uh, if that makes sense at all. I think uh, for the first time all tournament today, I found myself saying, wow, France really do miss Pogba and Conte. Do France win this tournament with those injuries, with if those injured players are healthy? 
or was this just a matter of it was written in the stars and Argentina, you know, for better or for worse, you know, they they won this match and they they kind of had the the drive and the necessary kind of willpower to go on and win the World Cup. I think I think you have to give credit to Argentina. Whether whether France would have would have won if they had Pogba and Kante in the squad, I don't know. But you know, I think you have to give credit to Argentina and also, you know, the midfield of France were just not at it today. Truomeni had his first bad game, I thought, at the World Cup. Uh, Griezmann obviously hooked and didn't really make an impact on the game, and he's been one of the players of the tournament. And it's it, you just have you have to you have to praise Argentina and Scaloni's tactics because he got it spot on and he. He nullified the threat of France well throughout the game. And obviously they've conceded three times, one, an amazing goal from Mbappe and two penalties. And you can't really plan for that. Uh, so I think you have to give credit to Argentina and it just wasn't France's night. And then, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that's just because it seems that they started, they seem to be able to pick up wins when they don't play particularly well and they didn't play particularly well today and, and it cost them in the end. Yeah, eventually if you're not going to, play well for an extended stretch of time, you will eventually fall. And that just kind of was what happened to France today. Uh, I want to get both of your opinions on this uh, before we go. Uh, of course, it feels a little foolish to bring up England right now, but I would like to talk about uh, the decision to bring back Southgate. And they were so close to beating France. Uh, when you when you look at this final, you know, how cl- France lose in penalties, England were a Harry Kane penalty away from probably forcing extra time headed to Euro 2024. Is it, is it optimism? Is it a sense of, Oh, we're still England. We can't get over the hump. You know, what is it like for you guys right now? When you think about the squad and Southgate coming back and and the future with this, with this England team. Uh, Well, I'll, I'll jump in first. I think anyone who follows me on Twitter will know I'm probably one of Southgate's biggest, biggest supporters. Um, I've, I'm not jumping for joy of the decision. I would have been happy either way, whether he wanted to step away or whether he wanted to stay in. It wouldn't have made much difference to me sort of mentally with looking at the England side. But I know there's a lot of people out there who wanted to see him go, who wanted to see the FA bring in a, a Tuchel or a Pochettino. But I think he's Southgate's deserved and earned this um, the sort of the option to make his own decision, whether he wanted to stay or go. I know he's... You can point to his record against top sides. You can point to, oh, with the squad he has, he should be winning whatever. Like We should be doing a lot better than we have done. But I think that comes down to whether you're a proper England sort of pessimist or an England-like entitled fan that, oh, we're, we're, we're that good. We should be winning everything. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's it's I'm, I'm happy he's been given Euro 2024. I think by then, the players we've got, um, they will all be hitting their stride by then. Hopefully, a few more of them will have won trophies in various areas in club football, which will give them that sort of better mindset. When I'm looking at that, I'm talking about those who play for Man City. Hopefully, will have won something on a European stage, or you've got your sort of midfielders in the middle of your Declan Rices and your your forwards, sort of Saka and Rashford. Hopefully, they picked up something more than FA Cups, especially when Rice as well will get some more opportunities on bigger stages. So I think, yeah, given Southgate, if he can't sort of perform with that squad, then yeah, that's Fair enough. I think either way he should be. Yeah, that will be the end of his tenure. But no, I'm happy to for him to be given that extra, that one last chance, one more tournament. I think he's earned that opportunity, and I'm I, I'm intrigued to see what the next year and a half looks like for England. Anything different from you, Mike, or spot on there from Tom? 
largely largely agree to be fair um i'd like tom i i wouldn't really have an opinion if he went or if he went or if he went or if he stayed um and he's earned the right like you said tom for this one last chance and you know <laughs> as an england fan you have to be optimistic and from this tournament you can't be pessimistic you know the way the players have played the fact that you've got bellingham and and foden and saka at the start of their careers and you know you have to be optimistic for for the euros i, I mean we lost out to france in the end and we were the better team on the day um, and Southgate desert has he's earned the right to take that team to the Euros and go for it for one last time. He's, he's managed to contrive this wonderful balance of teamwork and camaraderie in that team, and it's not like the old days where we had all the star players and there was no there seemed to be some some rifts within the within the group because of club rivalries and that. But yeah, I think I think Southgate deserved the, the chance for the deserved the right for one last chance. And hopefully, hopefully it will come home in 2024. Yeah, as a uh, non-English fan, I I think that simultaneously he deserves another chance, but he also deserves to be held to a much higher standard when we get to Euro 2024. Where if it doesn't come home, if that you know, unless it's a loss on penalties or something crazy were to happen i think the expectation is he should win that tournament and if not maybe it's time for a change to just freshen it up heading into 2026 but hey i I think at this point one of the fa's concerns is there who would replace him and that's a valid question and maybe a, a lack of english managerial talent right now other than maybe eddie howe or graham potter and they don't seem to be leaving anytime soon so who else would it be but in 2024 Sean Dyche. <laughs> if in 2024 England, you know, don't have a legitimate come close to winning or win the tournament, I do think it's time to, to move on and, and get some fresh blood there. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, context can change from, from year to year. And uh, Euro 2024 is quite a long way from now. But that's it, ladies and gentlemen. An absolutely thrilling tournament. Uh, like Mike and Tom expressed, it's a shame the uh, off the field issues were so powerful and strong that they have to kind of cloud what happened on the field. But if you are able to separate the artist from the art, the uh, the football that was played in this uh, Winter World Cup was brilliant. And uh, Argentina, a deserved champion with Lionel Messi finally lifting the World Cup trophy to cement his status as the greatest of all time. So I don't know if we will have another uh, episode of this podcast. We might have one more to kind of wrap up the whole tournament and provide some greater context. Uh, if we do, please check in with uh, with your podcast feed. If not, it was a pleasure talking to all of you throughout the tournament. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me, mate. And Mike, thank you for being a, a brilliant co-host this tournament. And uh, if we talk again, we'll we'll talk soon. If not, well done, sir. Thank you, mate. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. All right, guys. uh, Enjoy the Premier League and club season around the corner. Take a little breather if you must. And uh, thank you for